Ah, back home. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about food preservation. Our present-day food processing industry has its roots in thousands of years of trying to preserve foods for use at a later time. For example, during winter months after harvest, or after a successful hunt for a woolly mammoth that simply couldn't be eaten all at once. Probably the first method utilized was to simply dehydrate meats, fruits, or vegetables in the sun. Once most foods are dried out, bacterial decay and decomposition are slowed dramatically, allowing for relatively long-term storage. Some foods can be eaten dry, like beef jerky, while others can be rehydrated, such as vegetables in making soups. Somewhere in our early history, the use of salt for food preservation became common when someone discovered that packing fish or meat in layers of salt would bring spoilage pretty much to a grinding halt. The salt dehydrates food by drawing water out, plus the salt itself inhibits bacterial decay. When the food was ready to be eaten, it was important to soak the food in water, often several times, not only to rehydrate it, but also to reduce the salt content. In fact, the historical value of salt used in many societies as money came from its value as a food preservative, not as a dinner table condiment that we use and abuse today. Another time-honored technique is smoking foods to preserve them, a process that not only extends the storage of foods but generally adds a distinctive flavor like smoked turkey, hams, bacon, and salmon. The history of canned foods began in the early 1800s when the French government offered a prize of 1,200 francs, big bucks in those days, for the invention of a way to preserve foods for the French army. The prize was won in 1809 for a process using wide-mouth glass bottles that were corked and heated in boiling water to preserve vegetables, meats, fruits, and milk. The next step came in 1819. With a patent for using steel cans instead of fragile glass bottles, in 1858, an American named John Mason invented the heavy glass jar that could withstand repeated high-temperature processing. It still bears his name in common usage as the Mason jar. Modern frozen foods started with Clarence Birdseye in 1912 when he began freezing fish to keep them fresh. Mr. Birdseye started selling a line of frozen foods in 1930, but he ran into a little problem at first. The problem was that grocers weren't willing to invest in freezers to keep his foods frozen. As a result, his market was pretty limited until the rationing of World War II put severe limitations on the metal used in canned goods. Since his frozen foods were packaged in cardboard and wax paper, not metal. A whole new market was opened up for frozen foods that continues today. The most modern experiment in food preservation is to irradiate food with high-energy radiation to kill bacteria and retard spoilage. This process has some technical appeal since it's relatively cheap, but the public's interest has been, at best, limited by the idea of eating food bombarded by radiation. More information. 
about food preservation is available from Back Home Magazine. Our phone number is 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW, Spindale, North Carolina, with support from AirCheck Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. And you are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. <coughs> I forgot what's next. <laughs> Bring back the circle. I've, I've been doing this. I've been doing this same promo for 14 years, <laughs> and I'm starting to forget it. Yeah, <laughs> I might. I might have to change the promo. Just yeah. Just I thought that most people work the opposite way. They do something for 14 years, they remember it more. <laughs> just like, well, it starts getting you know, um, boring. Yeah, maybe a little. You start to fall asleep during the promo. You're just uh, like something uh, about Karen and Sharon, and you just fall asleep. I've said that same promo, well, well over 500 times. <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, he could sit down and count him for me, but yeah. we did do, I don't know, did we ever do any non-live shows? I mean, it seemed like there was a couple shows that we had to have someone else fill in and cover the show in emergency, and it was not us. Yeah. But otherwise, if we knew we were going to be gone, we'd record it, so... It wasn't live at that moment. Yeah, but we pretend it was live. Right. So we would record it on Tuesday or Wednesday, and it would be live at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so live pre-recorded. <laughs> so um, this is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we've been doing this radio show, I have, since 99. Did you ever figure out, did you come like... Two years later, or I don't know for sure. I remember I came on as a guest first, and then I just kept coming back. I, you couldn't chase me away. <laughs> so, regardless, both of us have been doing this well over ten years. Yeah, and we we kind of wonder if people actually like this show. It's hard to be sure. It's like in today's modern times, you only can like the show um, well by doing money. I mean, <laughs> that seems to be the thing. So, if you like our show. You should become part of the community club that likes the station that lets us do this show. Yeah, they like the station so much that they become a part of the community club and help keep the station going. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you can do something as phenomenal as just a dollar a day, you know? I mean, I think our show is worth, well, I would hope our show is worth more than a dollar. <laughs> Hopefully so. You know, and if you listen to a show a day... Then that's a dollar a day right yeah. there. I mean, that's less than a cup of coffee. I mean, people... I don't. Yeah, there are a lot of people who will buy a cup of coffee every day. They'll buy it out somewhere. You know, I I, I resisted saying names of corporations. <laughs> They'll buy coffee out somewhere, and you know, they may spend three, four dollars every weekday getting their favorite coffee. So, if you like our station, please give us a call four five seven three six nine one and become part of the community club. All right, let's get into the news. Yes, There's the news. The, the, the breaking news is. It's no longer summer. Yes. <laughs> I actually had an ankle chill this morning when I was walking. I'm still in shorts, but I actually had my ankle start shivering. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I do jogging every morning, and I actually wore my shirt today for jogging because it was chilly outside. You're you're so, you're still wearing your shirt. I'm wearing my shirt now too. Yeah, don't don't let people think you're not. Yeah. It's like um, I'm not wearing my shirt unless you count the hair shirt that's under this shirt. So um, winter has started. Winter here. is coming. Um, in other parts, the apocalypse flood happened. What is it? The end of the world where the ark comes. What is that called? Yeah. I don't know. That happened in Colorado. It did, yeah. They, well, it wasn't 40 days and 40 nights, but they were working on it. They're uh, working on it. I mean, this is, you know, it was one day. Yeah. And they already had, got wiped out. I've seen pictures. Um, I have a friend who's uh, visiting out there, and she posted a bunch of pictures of her bedroom with a foot and a half of water in it, you know? Yeah. So she's like, this is what I had to wade through to go grab my stuff out of my room, you know? So Yeah, and they were getting floods out there while we were getting drought over here. It did finally rain here, but it was pretty dry here for a while. I mean, um, I went to a presentation in, uh, in, in St. Louis at uh, Slow Food St. Louis. They have a group, and they did a, there was a presentation on Wednesday um, about farming and fracking. Um, the part I got from it, big part of it, was the fact that 80% of the U.S., will have drought conditions that have had and will have. Mm. And so, you know, what's happening, instead of us having a bunch of rain over a period of time, we're getting it all at once. Yeah. And that, it just, you know, washes away and then things are dry. So, anyway, um, the farmers are having to completely change their way of growing things, trying to keep up with the dramatic weather changes. Yeah, so. trying to prepare for droughts and floods. It's difficult, especially since you won't know in a season whether this year is going to be the flood year or the drought year. It may be both. Now, in world-related fracking news, ExxonMobil, I think they're actually the first <laughs> or the second largest energy corporation. Yeah, they're very large. Um, <clears throat> ExxonMobil charged with fracking-related crimes. ExxonMobil's subsidiary, XTO Energy, is being perse- persecuted. <laughs> <laughs> they probably feel they, that way. <laughs> yeah, they probably say they're being persecuted. They're being prosecuted. <laughs> prosecuted. Um, are being prosecuted for alleged environmental crimes after it spilled fracking wastewater into a Pennsylvania river in 2010. Wait a second. This happened in 2010, yeah. and they're only being charged now? Yeah, now they're getting around to charging them. No wonder these companies are just going full tilt ahead to doing environmental destruction. You know, they it happened in 2010. It's been, in case you didn't know, it's 2014. <laughs> 13. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, it's been three years. It's, it's been years, and um, the company's response to this charge... It claims the criminal charges could harm the environment. Yes, they're saying that being charged with stuff is going to harm the environment. <laughs> we, t- we told you about this spill, actually, in, back in July. That's when the company agreed to pay to, uh, a 10000 th- You're going to have to read this. I can't even <laughs> read today. The numbers aren't coming to you today. <laughs> it's like nothing's coming to me. Um, I forgot the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
They, they actually agreed to pay a $100,000 federal fine for spilling 57,000 gallons of contaminated f- fluids out of sloppily maintained tanks. So just to figure that out, they're not even paying $2 a gallon. Yeah. So basically, I could just spill a bunch of stuff and it's like, oh, it's only going to cost me $2 a gallon. Yeah. I mean, that makes it sound like open season. People might see that reward and see like, oh. I'll just go take all my. It's not a reward; it's a fine. <laughs> well, it's a reward for them. Now you're not reading it cheap. right. <laughs> yeah, that award. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, now it also agreed to spend twenty million dollars to get its properties up to to scratch. I guess scratch isn't. It's not up to code. It's up to almost code. It's up to scratch. <laughs> yeah. So getting up to being probably not sued. So basically, they've they're spending twenty million dollars. This is why they didn't have all their stuff up to, you know, code. They'd have to. It would have cost them another twenty million dollars. Yeah, and they did, they did the gamble. They're like, well, let's see. We could either possibly get a hundred thousand dollar fine, or just you know spend twenty million dollars. And they decided to risk a fine. Yeah, I mean, ten thousand, hundred thousand, yeah, one million. Five million. All of this is drop in the bucket, as far as actual money for them. Yeah. But the simple fact is, they spilled fifty-seven thousand gallons of contaminated fluids out of a sloppy maintained tank and into the river. Now, following a grand jury investigation, Pennsylvania Attorney General Kathleen Kane's office announced this week that XTO was also being charged with five counts of violating Pennsylvania law. The grand jury found that XTO hired a company to recycle wastewater at the site from November 2010 through, it's basically a a week, November 4th, 2010 through November 11th, 2010. After that one-week period, XTO directed that company to remove their processing equipment from the site and transported to another XTO well site in West Virginia. However, XTO allegedly continued to transport and store well wastewater at the site despite not having the proper equipment on site to safely store or process it. Yeah. So basically they just said, here this company, come over here for a week, set up, and then they're like, eh, you cost too much, leave. Yeah, you cost too much, leave. We can do it ourselves. We don't need the proper equipment. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, and that's part of why their argument is so fallacious. They're saying like, oh, well, you're going to discourage recycling of wastewater by giving us this penalty. Well, no, it's discouraging the improper handling of wastewater. Well, I mean, and they only can reuse it once. Mm-hmm. It's not like when you think recycle... Recycle means forever. Yeah. I mean, you have to add a little, you know, bit of virgin material into that recycling, but it's like 99% recycled each time. And so when you think recycled, you think a bunch of times, not Mm -hmm. once. Yeah. Once is reusing. And reusing, okay, that hits your bottom line. You have to use less water, but you're not recycling the water. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, recycling would be making it perfectly pristine so you could put it back in a stream without getting criminal charges. Well, that's one of the reasons I think this is an important story is so often there are just fines that these companies get. You know, if, if I dumped, 
all those gallons of water. And it's a fine fine because yeah. it's, you know, it's like... It's not very much of a fine, so hey, that's fine. Yeah, it's not a big deal. If they fine them $100,000 and they can profit $100,001 by doing it, they'll do it. But it's if a they, gamble, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, a gamble. They're like, well, I could make a little bit more money than the fine, so I'll just keep doing it. But criminal charges, that is a big discouragement because that can mean revoking the corporate charter. That could mean arresting people. People like, going to jail. Yeah. So people take that much more seriously now the, than a fine. People don't go to jail when this stuff happens because the, they're they're, Not they're yet. the criminal charges are going against the company. Against the company, and the company is a person, right? They're yeah. their own entity. So you can do criminal charges against the person, the person as in the company. I'm confused. Yeah, but you know the company has the same rights of a person, but you can't put the company in a prison. <laughs> no, you can, but you can revoke the corporate charter. You can. Uh, so can, then they just start another company. <laughs> yeah. But so it, that's, it, it is one step towards accountability. You know, they can revoke the corporate charter. And if it's bad enough, they can decide, well, you did criminal things. It doesn't matter if you were working for a corporation. If you sat there and decided, I'm going to violate the laws of the state of Pennsylvania and poison everybody, they can put you in jail. <laughs> it doesn't matter what sort of corporate charter you're hiding behind. In theory, in practice... That's really hard to do, but they're trying. Yeah. So I just I just don't like anything that uses copious amounts of water. <laughs> we yeah. have such a shortage of good, clean drinking water, and we can't survive without that. Yeah. We can survive with a lot of other bad things. I mean, bad food, bad air, but we can't survive without water. Yeah. That's just the simple fact. And That's basic, like, you know, survival 101, like <laughs> emergency survival. Yeah, then we're reaching that point. Huh? Yeah, you can go without food for like maybe a week or two if you really, really have to. You'll start starving, but water, yeah, you'll just dehydrate. All right, let's see what other news we've got. We've got news about fighting the 1%, the 1% of power plants. It's time to target the 1%, but we're not talking about bankers or CEOs this time. We're talking about the nearly 1% of American power plants... 50 of them all fueled by coal, that produce 30% of the U.S. power sector's climate-changing pollution. So 1% of the power plants produce 30% of our pollution. Yes. Okay. That's a very important figure to know. A new report by Environmental America Research and Policy Center says America's 6,000 power plants, which collectively produce 41% of the country's carbon emissions, are the world's single greatest contributor to climate change. That's another important point to note, too, is that... You know, 41% of the the pollution going on related to carbon emissions is from these power plants. And so one, just 1% of those uh, contributes 30% of that sector's wastes. So to address the problem, the authors recommend targeting the dirtiest facilities. Dirty power plants produce a disproportionate share of the nation's global warming pollution, especially given the relatively small share of total electricity they produce. For example, despite producing 30% of all power sector carbon dioxide emissions, the 50 dirtiest power plants only produce 16% of the nation's electricity. So there's really some of those plants out there that are just spewing out lots of carbon dioxide and just not providing all that much energy in return. It's an energy efficiency thing, you know. It's similar to going around your house and saying, well, I can replace this with something more energy efficient, or I can just, you know, uh, turn on this light that I'm not turn off this light that we're not using. If you focus on the power plants that are creating the most pollution, that's a good place to start. Yeah, and I mean, 
pollution is waste and waste is money lost. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at it in that simple equation on a business model, it doesn't make sense to pollute. It just doesn't. So. Yeah. And the only reason it's been happening so far is because they, the, the corporation doesn't have a way of valuing that loss that happens. Like they spew out all that CO2 and they don't economically feel the effects directly. Big Biz fights Obama administration's calculation on carbon costs. Big business doesn't like the way the Obama administration tallies the cost of carbon pollution. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the American Petroleum Institute, America's National Gas Alliance, and other industry groups are fighting the federal government's latest, quote, social cost of carbon calculations. The social cost of carbon is an attempt to quantify the climate-related cost of fossil fuel burning, the costs associated with floods, falling farmland productivity, and climate-related illnesses. I mean, think about it. If you kept track of all the waste in your system, if someone else is paying for that, well, you should keep track of that. I mean, it's, it's a waste product. Yes, if you can convince someone else to pay for it, well, it's good for your business. But now our government is saying we are no longer willing to pay for your pollution. Yeah. And, I mean, just the health risks alone cost a lot of money of pollution. So Yeah, they do. Now, the social cost of carbon was raised by the Obama administration in May from 23.80 cents per ton to $38 a ton. The change could help justify federal policies that are more aggressively reined in carbon pollution, and that's not something the groups representing America's biggest and dirtiest companies want. Yeah, I mean, that's really what they're arguing about. I mean, it's, they probably are statistical arguments of how exactly do you calculate this, but really, considering the list of people who are objecting here, they just don't want to have to pay the costs of their own industry. Yep. We have so many happenings, yes. we probably should get to some of them. We should. This is, um, things are cooling down. People are starting to warm up in their movements. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, move yeah. faster, do more things. They're not paralyzed by the heat anymore. Today is Friday the 13th. Yes. And it's National Celiac Awareness Day. <laughs> yes. You know what that is? Yes, yeah, celiac awareness. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's when you cannot eat, yeah, you cannot eat gluten. So, and, I think a lot of people aren't actually allergic to gluten, but they're allergic to all the junk that's in wheat nowadays. There's a lot of GMOs and junk. So yeah, I found out that um, if I eat, you know, organic bread stuff, I can handle it. But I can't eat lots and lots of regular bread. So Yeah. Now, see, if G- GMOs were labeled, we could do a scientific study of whether it's the GMO wheat versus the other wheat that's causing the allergies. Just a little food for thought. <laughs> Sunday is International Day of Dem- Democracy. Just one day. But, yes. you know, all over the world. All over the world. So we may not have democracy the other days, but maybe on that day. Sunday is also the anniversary of Greenpeace. Yes. Let's see. We also have coming up uh, UN International Day for the Preservation of the Ozone Layer. We still have to preserve that? Yes. I thought we did it. Well, we did a lot of good work on it. It is actually an example of an environmental success, but we need to keep at it. Here is an environmental success. On Tuesday, it's International Eat an Apple Day. <laughs> that would be a success, yeah. Yes. 
but Thursday is International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Arr. I thought that was every day. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> just like That's every day, so. matey. All right, let's get into some happenings. Okay. Do you want to garden? <clears throat> Gardening you, is good. Do you like Yeah, they actually say it's the only form of therapy that you get something. Yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> you get something else other than just the the exercise. So, grab a shovel, bring a friend and come on down to the garden to get your hands dirty and clear your mind before the weekend. Local Organic Gardening Coalition of Carbondale is doing their double dig workshop today, 2 to 4 p.m. at 3373 West Pleasant Hill Road. Yes, and we also have coming up today the Friday Night Fair, tonight from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Town Square Pavilion. Oh, the music is Hobo Knife. Yes. So. It's a fun, exciting time out there, especially when you've got some music out there to listen to. Yep, so that's tonight. Free live music, food court, farmer's market, flea market, regional arts and crafts, kids' games, and what is it called? Fun! Fun. (laughs) Fun in the really pleasant weather outside. We also have coming up the open mic night tonight at 7 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. Express yourself in a comfortable coffeehouse-style environment. There are poets, musicians, storytellers, dancers, and more. I've seen a little bit of just about everything over there. It's at 913 South Illinois, Guy House Interfaith Center at 7 p.m. We've got two farmer's markets. Um, The Carbondale Farmer's Market on the West Town Mall parking lot from 8 until noon. And the Carbondale Community Farmer's Market from 9 until 1 in the Carbondale Community High School. So basically there's a farmer's market on both sides of town. Yes. Yep. And I like it because I can get to... um, well, I can get to the one. They, they, the, the, the new one is closer to my house. I can get to it quicker. Quicker. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. It's good to have two of them. We also have coming up this weekend, the Southern Illinois Irish Fest is having a fundraiser and world music showcase. That's coming up on Sunday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Orlandini Vineyard. On Monday, vegan potluck at 6.30 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center. Bring your vegan recipes and your appetite for good food. I was going to say your appetite for good, and then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, for good food, to the vegan potluck. <laughs> this yes. potluck meets once a month to share food, recipes, and friendly conversation. So good thing they put that in. Otherwise, it would be other kinds of conversations. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we've got the Brown Bag Concert and Lunch Series coming up on Wednesday at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. Music by Fiddlewick. And let's see. On Also on Wednesday at 5 p.m., Questions of Faith and Reality. At Questions, people from different beliefs and faiths come together and listen to each other's thoughts on the many questions of life. At the Gaia House Interface Center, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Yes, and also game night. People bringing their games at 7 p.m. on Wednesday to pick which game they want to play and play them together. The 5th Annual Community Pride Picnic, Sunday, September 22nd, 1 to 5 p.m. at the Church of the Good Shepherd at 515 South Orchard Drive. This is the 5th Annual Community Pride Picnic. All right, Sunday the 22nd. Yes, and coming up Monday the 23rd, a new program over at Guy House, Talking Circle. The Native American Church is holding a talking circle, including songs, Specific teachings from their traditions and open-ended discussion and counseling. 
Now, this might be exclusive. Treesong said he couldn't find it anywhere, but I talked to the people involved with the Splash Park. The Super Splash Park Groundbreaking. Friday, mark your calendar for Friday, September 27th at 11.30 a.m. at the Superblock. They're going to do the groundbreaking for that big pool. Yes. <laughs> it's like a pool, a water park, slides, a splash park. <laughs> what is it called? Water fun. So Yes, water fun. It'll be good to see that coming together. This has been another exciting, yes, and informative... informative half hour of your community spirit if you missed part of this you can hear us online at yourcommunityspirit.org if you would like to receive our newsletter which is basically the stuff we talk about without the witty um banter yes um info at yourcommunityspirit.org send us an email let us know what you think and if you want to be on our weekly newsletter we can do that. Yes. So, and if you want to be a part of the WDBX Community Club, give us a call at 618-457-3691. What's you, the Community Club? Yes, it's being a part of the community here at WDBX by supporting us with your membership. There you go. The Community Club is affordable. 50 cents a day, a dollar a day, $2 a day. It's up to you how much you want to give. Think about what our value is to you. Yes. Give us a call, 618-457-3691. And if you call right now, you could talk to me or Treesong. Yes. And tell us how horrible our show was. <laughs> you can. Oh, wait, don't do that. Don't do that. Or, yeah, we, we could probably take some constructive I think we could take criticism. it. Or you could leave us to our illusions, whichever you prefer. All right. Talk to you on the radio again next week. <laughs>